Sidmorrow, and welcome to oh, well. Bag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I am the learned Lenfoot. And welcome thou, welcomest thou to the program. You are listening live from the home studio. You're listening live. In Woodridge. Let's go! (laughs) Five minutes! Delayed reaction from our studio audience. They came alive with a sudden intensity. And the crowd is ready for recap action. And what a show we have for you tonight. Uh, We're going to be going over pretty much the usual suspects, but we're going to enliven them with our expertise and our sparkling personalities. You're not going to want to miss this recap episode because we're talking college hoops. Season's almost done. I have never been more invested, although it's been a bad week. Yeah, bad week for NU. Good week. Well, it was a good week for Illinois, and then they hit a they hit a shocking. Oh, I have things to say about a shocking speed bump. Len has you covered on that. Um, Also, uh, went to the DePaul uh, Marquette game up in Milwaukee. That was a good time. Uh, I think DePaul's on the right track. We'll talk about that as well. The NBA, the sprint to the playoffs has begun. We'll talk all things NBA. We'll talk the newest bull, Pat Bev, and how his addition means see you at Grant Park in <laughs> June. Save me a spot. Um, the Cavs have also kind of stumbled a bit out of the gate. They righted the ship somewhat last night. We'll talk them. We'll also talk... Uh, Luca's amazing 27 point lead meltdown to the Lakers. <laughs> uh oh. And I will be there with you, the, the Mavericks winning streak. I will be there with the taunting. Um, we also will be doing I recommend tonight when, and tonight's I recommend will be pretty much Oscar themed as Len has seen. Oh, I have uh, one non Oscar one. Oh, well, Johnny out of the box. Well, I, uh, so we'll be, so we'll be handling that and Len's rogue recommendation. Uh, and then, um, we'll finally finish up with Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of the year. And Len has combed through his collection, his extensive musical collection to give you his 500 favorite albums. Tonight, he'll be talking about five of them as usual yep five of them so that's it let's get right to it let's start you mentioned now. rolling stone top 500 yes sir yes i did oh, okay okay yes, sorry yeah, i wouldn't forget wouldn't forget people look forward to that people stop me on the street and they're like how the hell what, what do you have against pavement beave <laughs> a lot of accosting there's a lot of accosting. public yeah public accosting mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, with that, let's, let's get right to, uh, tonight's recap program. Uh, and let's talk college hoops. Um, let's, let's, let's start off with that NU, uh, Illinois game. What were your thoughts on, that was a tale of two halves. Yeah. And, uh, and the Illini really, uh, came out on top. What were, uh, what were your, 
what were your main uh, takeaways from from that game in Champaign? Uh, Before that game even started, I thought Illinois was going to win because mm-hmm. Illinois really needed that game. They're at home. But once Northwestern went up 20, <laughs> I thought the game was over. I did not. <laughs> I did not. I'd be like, I've seen this movie before. Well, I think what happened was Bowie played so well that. Yeah, he really played well. And I feel like um, in the second half, they they made adjustments. Yeah, I just felt like they focused on Bowie a lot more and Katz never figured figured that out. Yeah, when Do a you, guy is playing that well. Sometimes your teammates just start watching you. And that's what I think happened in that game. I think Definitely. if I remember correctly. Agreed. Was Barnheiser. I think maybe Barnheiser was the only one on the team besides Bowie that had an okay game offensively. Audige was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Audige is. That was a bad one. Struggling offensively. Really he's is. Gotta, he's got to snap out of it. And he, to his credit, he was the leading scorer against Maryland. Oh, but that yeah, was it. But that was a pathetic display. I kind of was flipping around on Sunday between Illini and Northwestern. Right. The see the Illinois game that was a bad loss for them because you can't be up that much and lose. The Maryland game, Maryland just made every shot. They had some guy who was in a big slump who made every shot. Yeah. Some, a game like, and Maryland hasn't lost at home. Well, Maryland that's is. That's not a, that's not a bad loss because no one's beaten them at home. So that's probably why. So I, cause I looked at the bracketology today, you know, the guy who does that, Joel right. and Ernie, he's got a book and everything. Yeah. And he still has Northwestern as a six seed. There's only two more games. NU has only two more games up. Penn State, which they should win. They should win that game. You know, Penn that, State, they're a pretty good team. I mean, their are. record doesn't really show it. They beat the Illini twice. Yeah. And they're a team that they have like three guys on their team that can get hot. They should so not. They definitely not, should not be taken lightly. That's not a – is it here or is it in at Penn State? I believe it's here. Well, that helps. I feel like Northwestern, their crowds are helping them this year. <laughs> and taking a bunch of abuse for it. What do you mean? How are they taking abuse? Well, they were, yeah, I'm not, I'm only on Twitter, which doesn't count. But um, <laughs> Why? What's, what's happening on Twitter? Oh, they, they were taking uh, the cats uh, to ta- fans to task the student section to task for um, vulgarities hurled at an uh, Indiana uh, forward Miller cop who transferred to IU from. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, yeah, cats fans taking a beating. It's just mostly from bitter IU fans. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Maryland one wasn't a bad loss. I thought they did not play well. But, I mean, in the big picture, 
for their seeding, not a bad loss. That's what I'm saying. Because again, nobody's beaten Maryland at home. So you're not going to get dinged for that. What's who's who do they play their last two games? Maryland? No, Northwestern. Uh, Penn State, and then they have to go play Rutgers in New Jersey. That's okay. going to be a tough one. Both of them are. I mean, Penn State's kind of, I don't, Penn State's on the bubble. If they beat Northwestern, that'd be huge for them. So they're going to be fired up. They're going to be fired up. And Rutgers is a tough team to beat no matter what. Best defensive team in the Big Ten. It's now so Rutgers. I, I guess the I guess the thing for Northwestern is you don't want them falling down to like an eight seed. I think a six seed is a really it's a good one to have. You probably won't play you're gonna probably play a kind of an underachieving team. I feel like those eleven teams are, are like a, like the sixth or seventh best team in a conference. Right, right. Well, that's that's kind of where I'd want to be. Right. But if they drop to an eight, and I think we talked about this last week, then you get that real tough eight versus nine game. And then if you win, you got to play the number one seed. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of important for them to – they definitely – the Penn State one, they got to win that one to keep keep a decent seed because they're playing at home. They're supposed to be better than Penn State. Losing the Rutgers might not hurt too much because it's at Rutgers. And Rutgers, I'm pretty sure Rutgers was going to make the tournament. They also have the Big Ten tournament. So if Northwestern could get a couple wins there, that could secure a decent seed for them. If they can't beat Penn State at home, maybe they don't deserve to be a six seed. But Penn State's such a... If you saw Penn State play the Illini this year, you would think they were one of the best teams in the country because when they play the Illini, they make every shot. It's always how it goes. They swept them. They, they won both games against the Illini. And the Illini, you get this big win against Northwestern, and then you lose to Ohio State. I think it was a letdown. I think that they were like, oh, our issues are solved. And then, yeah, and then that really burned them. And of course, their coach is just like, oh, we, you know, I can't even listen to him. And I, 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 <laughs> I have a hard time rooting for them because of him. I just, I don't like their coach. And there's no, there's no one that's been there a long time, really, any of their players. So I don't have the connection to the line I like I used to. It's it's been a weird year watching them. Since the um, Jag Bags night up in Evanston, I felt like Illinois really righted the ship. That was kind of their low point. Oh, they lost to Penn State then, again, though. After that, well, you just that wasn't you just that long ago. You just talked up Penn State like they were really tough. Yeah, against the Illini. But that's not. I mean, the Illini. There, I looked at their bracket thing too for them and they're like an arrow down and they're a nine seed so they got to be careful who i'll pull it up i'll pull up their schedule i'll see who they're playing their last two yeah i'm not sure 
I think Illinois plays Purdue. Really? Well, Purdue yeah. is Purdue is dying on the vine. They got Michigan and Purdue. Michigan's been playing really well. And Michigan's making a real late push. It's it's at Illinois. Illinois, they that's that helps them playing at home. And then they're playing Purdue at Purdue. I don't think they're going to win that game. That's tough. So they really this Michigan game they got to have it. Yeah, they need it because if they if they keep stumbling, then they're going to be in the bubble. I you, you were thinking okay they're in, but their arrows pointing down after that Ohio State loss. Oh, I think they're in. Well, let's say okay, we'll lose to Michigan, lose to Purdue, lose in the first round of Big Big Ten tournament. That then then yeah, they're on the bubble. Then they then they might be even if they're in, they might be eleven seed. Right. They might be uh playing the first day, not the first actual day. The yeah, it could be. And their their coaches everything he says. He's just like, oh, that's what happens. I'm like, figure it out. You're the coach. Stop acting like these things are beyond your control. You're supposed to try to find some solutions for this stuff. Is there anything else he said? So he just shows that happens. It's kind of a laissez-faire, like, la-di-da. It's, it's like he, he said, if we're not playing well offensively, then we stop playing well defensively. He just this, Everything he says is just like, hashtag insight. It's just like defeatist. <laughs> I don't, de- I don't get him. It's like because he, I think he's been told not to yell anymore. Because I don't really see him yelling ever since his insane "we have no leaders" rant. It's like someone from high up at Illinois took him aside and said, "You can't do that anymore." Morg. <laughs> so, so he's like defanged. A little bit. He can't do Bobby, or what? Bobby Knight ranting because I think he got in trouble for it. That's just the feeling I get. Do you respect him for trying to do the right thing? Because you were uh, a month ago, were like Underwood's insane, and I want him gone and all that. And now he's trying to please you by not yelling and you know. But then he says stuff like Mister Nice Guy. But that. Post game comment, like, oh, we just started stop playing well. Yeah, just the things he says. I just, I, I don't think his players like him. Oh, that that's it, a problem. Yeah, that's not good. I don't think they like their coach. I don't. I'm not even sure if they like each other. Ooh. It's too much of a mishmash of. Why do you Why do you say you're not sure if they don't like each other? Just because the when I, I I watch a lot of line games, mm-hmm. I don't think and it's a, I don't think they hate each other, right? But there's but no it's more like, like my it's my turn basketball, right? I think Coleman Hawkins is probably their only guy who's like a team player. Mm-hmm. So Matthew Meyer, this is the story they said on CBS yesterday when they're during the game. Meyer, he was on Baylor. He was on those good Baylor teams. He went to an NBA camp or like a combine or something. And they were saying he needs to play more. I guess 
to be in shape for the NBA or something. So instead of staying at Baylor, he, he was like, okay, I'm going to go play in Illinois because I'm going to play more. Because Baylor, he played, but I don't, he didn't play big minutes. Okay. So he was basically coming to Illinois to be the star and play big minutes. And he plays like that. He, it's like he gets the ball and then you can tell he's like, I'm going to shoot no matter what in this possession. Right. And, and <laughs> watching him play, I'm like, this isn't an NBA player. Yeah. He's not an NBA player. There's so many, I mean, he's a pretty, pretty good division one player, but I can't see him being in the pros. Cause the only thing he's, he's a pretty good shooter, but he's not a knockdown shooter because he's streaky and he's not an exceptional anywhere else, like on defense or passing or anything like that. So somebody was in his ear telling him to do this stuff, which is just a wrong reason to go play in a team. Okay. And I'm not sure why Shannon ended up there. Shannon's their other big scorer. Cause yeah, Shannon at Texas tech or something. And then he ended up at Illinois. Right. So you have two guys transferring for the same reason. I think they both wanted to be the star of this team. And so anybody else that was left from last year, here come these two guys who are transfers trying to take over the team. So I don't think any of that is a good recipe for chemistry. You, uh, <clears throat> you wonder if they can figure it out in time. I mean, Underwood right now is faxing me saying he has hurt me. To the core. <laughs> he has just decimated me brutally. <laughs> <laughs> It's just what I just what I notice. You're just you're just spitting facts. That's all. Just uh, these. Are I the watch facts. the games. I watch. That's what I notice. Yep. Hmm. Well, we're gonna see. Um, it should be a it should, it should be a good week. So you, so you're thinking Illinois will not beat Purdue in Purdue, and what and what were you think? Do you think they can beat Michigan? Yes or no? I don't know because you don't know what you're gonna get with the Illini. It's it's hit or miss with them. Yeah. And Michigan's been pretty strong the past month or so. Michigan's playing for their tournament lives. They need a they need a good win. If they beat Illinois in Illinois, that, that helps them a lot. Yeah. And the, the talent level is the same. Michigan and Illinois, so I don't know. And and they that lost Ohio State, they're not going to be feeling confident either. Yeah, that, that's well <clears throat> that can either that can either go one of two ways. They're, where they're either like, oh, this is the, the, the bottom is dropping out, or it's the wake up call that they need. I'm just not I just don't have confidence in that team. Yeah. Len is down. You're like the Steve Stone of the um, <laughs> fighting the line. I um, in a tournament too. If you're going to win the tournament, you got to be hot. I don't think the line have been hot all year. They've had some good games, but do I see them winning a bunch in a row? No. Yeah. And Northwestern, on the other hand, they were red hot. So if they can recapture that, 
Yeah, they've really got to. They're, they're a team that can do pretty well in the tournament. I mean, regardless, I mean, I guess Collins's new adjustment he has to make is, okay, how do I figure out what to do now that Bowie's getting clamped down on? Yeah, they they gotta they better figure that out. Because Bowie has elevated his game so much now that other teams are focusing on him. I think before they didn't do that because it wasn't just it, there was like him and Adige and maybe I mean they don't really have a third scorer. They haven't had like a solid third scorer all year. But it wasn't right. just Bowie; it was Adige too. But with Adige slumping, then they're like, okay, Bowie's hot, so we're just gonna try to take the ball out of his hands right so collins is going to have to figure out something different to do offensively um well uh yeah i mean because i think Bowie is gonna like face that that's that's just never gonna go away yeah Mm -hmm. so all these guys ty berry robbie baron Barnheiser, they're going to have to, one of them is going to have to. They got to step up. Yes. I like Barnheiser. I almost think they, sometimes I think they should I like start Barnheiser. Barnheiser too. Start Barnheiser. You know, Robbie Barron kind of, sometimes he sleepwalks through minutes. That's why maybe put Barron on, come up, have him come off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, Barnheiser start. Um, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, should we, um, before we move on to the pros, can we, I, um, I went to the DePaul Marquette game up in Milwaukee and, um, and I, and I got a good look at, at DePaul and, um, you know, that was a game that they, that was a game that they could have won and they were down just like, um, um, Illinois at NU. I mean, DePaul was down like 20 and down 20, like halfway through the second half and then made a real strong comeback. Yeah. I was um, shocked. Cause I, I, I saw a score early on. I'm like, well, that game's done. Right. <laughs> so the final score is like, Whoa, what happened? Yeah. They got it down to four. And, uh, and if that, uh, if, uh, Marquette's point guard hadn't, I mean, Marquette did the right thing. They got the ball to their point guard, Kolik, who is fantastic. That point guard is, he's a classic, you know, get everyone involved type of point guard. Um, really confident with the ball. He's got a pick and roll thing with this one guy, Igadaro, And it, it looks like it can't be stopped. And then they go away from it. I don't understand it. They should be running that every play mm-hmm. until uh, they figure out, until they until the defense proves they can stop it. But uh, DePaul, I think they have some hope for the future. Um, their best players are, are seniors on Genda. I don't know if on Genda has another year of eligibility. He was listed as a senior, so I think he's done. Yeah. Um, on Genda and um, Gibson, um, th- those guys are, those guys are seniors. But uh, Cruz, they were playing. He was playing a lot, and I thought he looked really good. He's a freshman, um, freshman guard. 
uh, Jalen Terry uh, really quick. A couple of times he just blew by everybody and went strong to the basket. Um, he's a junior. Um, another um, another guy, um, KT Ramey, another guard. Kind of, he's also a guard, um, but uh, he played really well too. And um, so, and then uh, finally Nelson, who is a junior, he's six eight. Um, really, uh, he had a great dunk. So, um, yeah, they, I, I think to Paul, if, uh, depending on, um, you know, th- their, uh, coaching, I like their coach and he was always trying new things. And, uh, I like the, the fight of them. They never gave up. So, um, could be a good year or a better year, uh, for DePaul next year. I mean, they'll have a lot of, they probably would have to get a lot of transfers, um, they had some guys, some pieces that I thought looked pretty good. What about Marquette? Well, Marquette, um, they look tough. I mean, they have they have three terrific guards. Yeah, I think I they, they I read uh, articles saying their point guard Kolek is the best in the nation. I haven't seen a better point guard, so I'm yeah. sure he's 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 tremendous. He's tremendous. That's, that's really good for their tournament. Um, yeah. Possibilities. Cause usually the guards kind of take over in the tournament. He'll have to make good decisions, but Kolek had 14 assists. In the wow. Game. In the college game. And probably if, um, and if guys could make layups, he'd have had 16 or 17. I mean, He's so clever in just driving. He just, it's, it's what a point guard is coached to do. Um, take your man, drive to the hole, either on a pick and roll or, you know, if you have an opening, go for it. And either if, if someone comes to uh, guard you, you hit the open man. If not, you make the layup. And uh, he's just, uh, you know, and he's just, uh, his passes are always hits the guys in rhythm for an easy layup. Yeah. Or good alley oops. I mean, he's mm-hmm. or a, a strong kick out to an open man for a three. Um, he's just he he rarely turns the ball over. I've watched a few. I uh, for those of you who don't know, my wife Eileen is a Marquette grad, and uh, so this is a true house divided. By the way, true house divided. And Eileen is she looks at my Northwestern rooting with just this you know maternal kind of like. Oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> look at the little, look at my little husband in purple, <laughs> walking around in purple. Um, but um, no, they look, they look good. And um, I mean, they're, they can clinch the big East tomorrow night with a win over. So they're going to be a, they're going to be a really high seed. So they'll be a very high seed. And uh, if Jones gets hot, they have three really good guards. If Jones gets hot and Kolek and Iguodaro work that pick and roll the way that they should, they're tough out. And Shaka Smart, really, it's funny. They coach or they highlight the number of deflections. They uh, Smart wants 32 deflections every game. And they um, put it on the scoreboard when they, you know, they get to eight. Then they get to 16 and then they get to 24. It's like, it's a real point of pride um, that 
Um, he also smart also has what are called energy generating behaviors or EGBs and, uh, doesn't, doesn't really classify what those are, but everybody can do an energy generating behavior. Um, Darcy, for example, starts off the show with an energy generating (laughs) Darby, excuse me, Darby starts off the show with an energy generating behavior. Um, And uh, so fans can do it, but that's also part of their culture. He's really smart. kind of an interesting, he's really taken over that program Mm and just in terms of like putting his stamp on it. Um, So those are my, and I mean, that crowd was electric from the start and sold out. And that's, that's where the bucks play. So neat, really neat atmosphere. Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, should we move on to the NBA? Yep. Why don't you talk about the Cavs first? The Cavs, um, I'm just going to say it right now. They've got to get Evan Mobley the basketball. I sound like a broken record, but Mobley, they played. Now, they, the Cavs had a tough uh, start to uh, the uh, second half of the season. They had to play the Nuggets. And that's tough. And then they had to play. Um, I'm trying. They 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 beat Toronto uh, last night. So, but they um, played another team in between Denver and Toronto, and that's the game that gave me. Um, it gave me heart palpitations. I was so mad, um, because. Mobley had 31 points going into the fourth quarter. And, and then Mitchell and Garland decided, oh, it's, it, it's winning time now. So I need to take every shot. And Mobley got to, he only saw the ball like a handful of times. And he took two shots in the fourth quarter. And I just don't understand why, why a guy is going that great, why you all of a sudden go away from him because it's, you know, because it's your, oh, it's Atlanta. They played Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you go away from him just because you're, you know, in your mind, oh, it's time, you know, it's time to play hero balls. Because they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and Mobley was going great. They've really got to figure that out. Mitchell, I think, and Mitchell showed a disturbing... Mitchell can get hot, and he was fantastic against Toronto. Fantastic. Um, but, you know, he tries to be the man, and more often than not, he succeeds. But when he doesn't succeed, I think he's got to realize, hey, I don't have my shot going. Let's get others involved, and that'll get me going as well. Maybe I, instead of like trying to play Kobe or MJ, because those two guys are singular. You know, if MJ would miss a couple shots in the fourth quarter, keep giving him the ball. He's going to start making shots. He's Michael Jordan. That Donovan Mitchell is not Michael Jordan. He's an outstanding player. I don't. He started in the All Star game, but you know he he's not. I, I don't know. I just feel like, especially when you got another guy going going so great. 
So I hope they figure that out. And I think Bickerstaff, I also don't like Bickerstaff is starting to show a disturbing Tom Thibodeau tendency Uh-oh. to only play eight guys. Nope. It's it's you're gonna don't do that. You're gonna run these guys, you're gonna you're gonna get them hurt. Yeah. Um Kim and they, they let love go. They didn't, they haven't, well, they replaced him with Danny Green, but Danny Green is Danny Green didn't even play the other night. Like, well, why do you have him here? Um, you know, he's got to, you, you got to let him do what he does. And maybe he's just got to learn the offense. I don't know. Bickerstaff, I'm Bicker because Bickerstaff is one of these hard nosed, get in your face defense. He gives out an award at the end of the night for, for best defender. So, I mean, defense is a real point of pride. They call it the Junkyard Dog Award. And uh, if Pat Bev were on the team, he would win the Junkyard Dog uh, Award every night. He wants, he wants them to play defense like, like Pat Bev. Um, but you're going to wear, I, I don't know, you got to like, you got to pace yourself. And playing eight guys, I don't know, especially Rubio, who's playing very well, but he, he just came back from major knee surgery. Save the guy. Anyway, um, I was a little, I was a little, I was a little uh, frustrated with Mitchell and Bickerstaff. While, you, see, the thing is, while my love affair with Mobley continues, I'm just I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings. The Cavs are up five games on the Nets, and the Nets are going to keep falling because they lost Durant and Kyrie. Yeah, so they might come down to where the Bulls are. By the end of the season, I mean, twenty-seven games left. They're they're three Very for possible. they're three and seven in their last ten. That's Knicks are playing really well. Yeah, the Knicks are figuring some things but out. I feel like the Cavs. They're they're pretty secure in their number four seeding. Seems like it. They only there's only eighteen games left. So yeah. why is he only playing eight guys? I think that's really dumb. Yet, I do too. You know the playoffs are coming up. Play you know, you know why? You you're know why? Get, you're going to get a home home court advantage in the first round. I'll tell you exactly why he's doing it. Because he's panicking, and he doesn't want a repeat of last year because the Cavs were the four seed after the All-Star break, and Rubio got hurt, and the wheels absolutely fell off. And they tumbled all the way down to the play-in and were out. And he does not want that to happen again. So that'll be bad for his job prospects. So he's got to make the top six and he's got to, especially with a guy like Donovan Mitchell, um, he's got to make the second round. Or he feels that he does. I'm trying to decide whether I think they should make the second round. The I think they, they should too, the way they're year. going. Yeah. Although I would like to avoid the Knicks. And I I'm thinking that the Knicks are going to be the fifth seed. And that will be unless the Hawks get hot or one of those teams can get hot and, and leapfrog into that fifth spot because it won't be Brooklyn. So it's either no, Miami. I think Brooklyn's going to, they could go down as far as eight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be Atlanta. And, and that they, team, Brooklyn, there's been so much nonsense going on with that team all year. They're done. It's, yeah, it's just, it's going to be too hard for them. They're done. Atlanta uh, fired their coach. McMahon. Yeah, and then they're, they're, I read they're giving 
Snyder like a five-year contract. I mean, I mean that's the Utah teams were good, but they never got where they wanted to either. Trey Young runs that team with the the with the owner's kid, the owner's thirty-year-old kid. They but are Trae running. Trey Young, you know, he hasn't done anything. I, I don't get when a guy like that could run a team. I'm, I'm like, Atlanta hasn't succeeded at anything yet. They they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Yeah, but I don't know. I just don't like that. Yeah, I'm with you. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, they could get hot because this is what happened two years ago. They fired their coach, they brought in McMillan, and then they couldn't lose. And they went all the way to these Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. So it's happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Bulls. It could happen for the Bulls. I thought they looked great. Yeah, two two big wins. Patrick Beverly effect. Yeah. It's and the Derek both, White both effect. Teams, both even more important, both teams were ahead ahead of them in the standings. Yeah. The Wizards win is gigantic because we're a half game behind them now for the 10th spot. Yeah. And tonight's even I mean, tomorrow night's even bigger because they play the Raptors. And the Raptors are Let's see, a game and a half ahead of us. So if we can get that Raptors, beat the Raptors tomorrow. I mean, there's what? That's weird. So the Cavs, <laughs> the Cavs have 18 games left. The Bulls have 21 for some reason. Yeah. But I mean. I like to think we could beat out the Wizards, but much like the Illini, the Bulls have just <laughs> been disappointing all year. So, well, they're at least they're showing signs of life. And no, I mean, I two great wins, two great wins. If they can keep it going, yep. They're. I think he's been starting Beverly and Caruso, and. You know, with which isn't that bad because you have Zach and DeRozan and Vooch, they can take care of all the offense then. Right. Um. So we'll see. But I didn't see either game. Did you? Did you watch it? Any of them? No. No, yeah. I didn't. No. Two nice wins, but I, I didn't get. To, I'm going to watch the game tomorrow. Okay. They'll probably <laughs> play terribly. That, well, that's been their mo. Oh, you have 47 turnovers in the fourth quarter because I'm watching. Pat, Pat Bev says, I'm going to, Zach, I'm going to throw you off the roof of the United Center. If you take any more. <laughs> Zach's like, Ooh. yeah. Um, um, well, let's. But it's uh, exciting that they got off. At least they got off those. And also, it was after the All Star break. Maybe they needed a mental break. Trying be. to look on the bright side. Yes. They. Maybe they just need to break. Beverly's an energy guy. Yep. Who knows? Um. Well, uh, it, it's uh, we'll have we'll have much more to comment on next week. I think the Bulls are going to keep rising. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, let's move on to. Uh, I recommend. Is that where we're we're at in the in the program? Yeah, I think so. Um, I do have a non-Oscar I recommend. Okay. Uh, uh, well, we'll do our, our non-Oscar. 
I recommends, and then we'll talk. There what you go. Oscar. There you go. Um, oh, what do you want to do? Should we do the Oscars first and then do I recommend or vice versa? Let's 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 do the non-Oscar I recommends first. Okay. Uh, so you want me to go first? Yeah. So really quickly, um, my non-Oscar I recommend is a book uh, that I've just started. And much like Zen, well, it's not like Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Because <laughs> this, this book is not confounding me. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And uh, it's uh, the book is called The Last Chairlift by John Irving. Mm. And it was a Christmas present from Len which was intercepted Morg. probably by Morg. No, Morg is the one who sent you the gift. No, Morg. Well, it was intercepted, but must have been intercepted by his twin brother, Borg. Morg with his, his bonus checks. We sent him for doing such a good job at controlling Bruce Hallett and Andy Avalos. <laughs> Morg James Wade earns it. Oh, thank you, Morg. We might have to have Morg go talk to Nicholson. Uh, please. That might be his next. Uh, I, I, I'm, I am. Morg, if you're listening, keep him out of mash waters. It is, it's, it's, a, it's abominable. Wow, that his little fame has gone to his head. Now, now there are mashed potato stains on his purple jersey. It's, it's he, he, he sent me a text today. He's like, what if you had cute little messages on the bottom of your mashed potato dishes when you completed your meal. Your focus is not mash waters, Nicholson. Your focus is Penn State. I'm furious. Let's move on. Let's move, let's move back to the last chairlift, which I was forced to purchase on my own. Um, and uh, but I'm starting it and uh, now, you, you said you're almost done with it, right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So really quickly, I am about, I'd say about 80 pages in, which means I only have, what, 820 more to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but here are my first take. First of all, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I've laughed three times. Um, I've laughed at... Um, so... <laughs> I've laughed at the character who um, is a terrible skier and can only stop by uh, just tackling other skiers on the slopes. <laughs> That's how she stops. I was roaring at that. And, um, and Irving has such a turn of phrase. Um, you know, there's, a, uh, there's a character. First of all, it's, it's a classic John Irving, but with all these eccentric characters. Yeah. And it's very funny. It's Irving's like at the top of he still has like full command of his, you know, powers. And I feel like there's certain boxes that just get checked from a John Irving novel, you know, set in New England, check. Uh single mother who has a child and seems to be alone, you know, at first, you know, check. Um uh you know, people, characters who do not speak, check. Um, yeah. Just walk through um, wrestling. Although wrestling was, it was briefly noted and has now uh, seemed to have gone away in favor of skiing. Again, I'm only 80 pages into the book. 
Yeah, that's kind of how it is. It's more skiing. Yeah. There's still a little bit of wrestling in it. Yeah. Uh, prep school, uh, life in a uh, New England prep school, check. Um, uh, angry lesbian characters who are probably the, 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 the center of the book. In other words, they're the, they're kind of the, they comment on all the crazy char- terrible characters. Right. In, um, check. Uh, and, um, but, and, you know, I, and I, uh, I also laugh at like his descriptions of certain people, like the, 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 the small English teacher who winds up marrying, uh, the mother of the narrator at first he is about four foot nine yeah, and uh, he keeps calling him the tiny snowshoer I don't know why the yeah. tiny snowshoer makes me laugh yeah um, but like those kinds of phrases tiny snowshoer the laughing Norwegians um, you know the uh, the the the, uh, the cruel ants um, so uh, I'm definitely enjoying it and what I like about it is with all the things you mentioned, it's not a rehash. Mm-hmm. It just feels like this is the stuff that's in his books. Yeah. It feels, feels like something new while still being a classic genre. You know what? You're absolutely right. Because I mentioned all that and it's just, that's all his books are. Mm-hmm. And yet I am, that's his gift because I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I, I can probably get another chapter in tonight before I fall asleep. Um, also, the chapters are very... It's a huge book, but it's entertaining, so it's not a chore to get through. No, and the chapters are, are short. So yeah. You can knock off a chapter. You know, I, I, can, I can get through a chapter before my, you know, you know before falling asleep. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like, oh, God, you know, I got 52 pages left in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So as you're, you're right the book flies. So the last chairlift by John Irving. And if you haven't listened to our John Irving podcast, visit our page um, and check out uh, that episode where we go through his novels in much more detail. Um, That's my non Oscar. I recommend my non Oscar. I recommend I was tempted to continue along the lines of Push a T and cocaine's Dr. Seuss and just recommend the song. I mean, Puff, Puff all, the fan Doody. response we got from your review of the Push a T album last week was off the chain. Also, <laughs> as the as the kids say. <laughs> so I was tempted to just recommend a song by Future called Puffin' on Zooties. <laughs> but I decided instead to recommend Rob Sheffield, who writes for Rolling Stone. Yes. He published a list, top 100 songs in 1983. Really? And this is what I like about Rob Sheffield and any critic. The critics I like are people you can tell like the art form they're talking about. Yeah. Because it feels honest. It doesn't feel like they're trying to impress you. Mm-hmm. With their intelligence, they're just saying these. This is what I think is yeah. the best, right? And is, there, is 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 it a book or a? No, it's just a list. If you go to his Twitter feed, it's on there. If you go to Rolling oh, Stone's on. website, it's on there. It's on there. Okay. And so <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find it here. 
See, most critics, if they were making a list like this, they would not have hot girls in love on there. They would not have. Darn right. Darn right, Rob Sheffield. Balls to the wall by accept. (laughs) But then he still has stuff like Every Breath You Take. He's got like a deep cut by orchestral maneuvers in the dark. It's just a it's just a great list because it's it's got so much different, so many different things. And it's one year. Here it it's is one. the the year pop went crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, I really enjoyed reading it. So let me see if I can guess the number one song. I'm enjoying already. Um, Uptown Girl is number one hundred. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not letting me get to uh, number one. Maybe because I don't uh, subscribe. Anyway, I don't, I don't remember. Let me check for you real quick. Oh, look at Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart, number mm-hmm. 17. Power Ballad Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The year pop went crazy. The Replacements, Within Your Reach, 14. New Order, Blue Monday, 13. Grandmaster Flash and Mel Mel, White Lines. That, 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 that used to be Len's favorite cocaine-themed rap song until <laughs> Big Country, In a Big Country. This yeah. is already wrong because that song should be number one. Great song. Great album. Love, love that song. Beat it, number nine. Uh, Shannon, Let the Music Play. That's great. I loved that song. I remember really liking that song. Seven, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I already told you my, my daughter's reaction to that song. REM's yep. Sitting Still. Okay, come on. Do you think Karma Chameleon by Culture Club is the fifth best song of the year i love I, that song uh, i love but, it i'm fine with it being up that high what about bowie modern love number three that's a great song too all right the number one song of the year according to, <laughs> i loved this song when it came out uh the number one song of 1983 according to rob sheffield is electric avenue <laughs> i eddie grant Awesome. Just makes me think of Ernie because he does a good Eddie Grant imitation. Oi! Oi! <laughs> Out on the streets, there is violence. <laughs> and they still can't feed anyone. Good God. And Eddie Grant thanked him. He's like, thank you, Rob Sheffield, for keeping Electric Avenue alive. It, it is a. Uh... Awesome song. He says, years down the line, it still sounds like the future. I don't know about that, but I remember loving Electric Avenue when it came out. But that's what I'm saying. That's that's not a list you'd expect from a critic. No. No, I like it. I like it. All right. Good one. Good one. Should we move on to Oscars, SAG Awards? Many, yes. So the Oscars are coming out March 12th. Next week, Beeve and I will do, as part of our recap, we're going to pick who we think is going to win, who we want to win, and I might even add 
who I would like to have been in it and didn't even get nominated because I've been thinking about that lately too. Oh, see, your expertise is really uh, just showing through because I'm barely well, maybe able not to for see every the... category because I do like the best picture candidates. Mm-hmm. But as far as predictions go, it's a li- it's going to be a little tougher this year because. So I thought Austin Butler was the front runner, but he didn't yeah. win yesterday. No. And the SAG awards are usually the harbinger of how the Oscars will go. Usually yeah, they, they can be, but the two that were surprises, well, Frazier wasn't a total surprise because it's kind of between him and Butler, mm-hmm. but I felt like Butler had all the momentum. Right. So Frazier winning makes it harder to pick. The other big surprise was Jamie Lee Curtis winning because yeah. everyone thought Angela Bassett was going to win. Right. And it might just be there's so much affection for everything, everywhere, all at once, that it's just going to win everything. It's going to sweep. Best picture, yeah. best actress, best supporting actor, and best supporting actress. You know, if I'm James Hong right now, I'm like, what the F? I have been in Hollywood for 50 years. This is my chance. Everyone else gets a nomination and I don't. I quit. Quit the business. I quit. James Hong quits. Yeah. So, and it's also unusual that Jamie Lee Curtis won because she's competing against another actress from the movie. And sometimes that makes you cancel each other out. Yeah. But she won. And maybe it's one of those career awards because you feel like it. If everybody likes Jamie Lee Curtis, they're like, I were, and maybe, and it could be a resistance to superhero movies too. Could be. Like, do we really want to reward a superhero movie? Even though Angela Bassett's great in that movie. I feel like the Marvel backlash is starting. Well, even, they my, even my daughter, who normally never missed a Marvel movie, has been like, eh, about Ant-Man, the new Ant-Man movie. Well, I saw it. I saw Ant-Man yesterday. Yeah. Here, my issue with, with it was the villain. Mm-hmm. The villain seems just like Thanos. And the guy who plays him, Jonathan Majors, I didn't like him at all in the part. Mm-hmm. Mm. but the rest of the movie I liked. So I did like it, but just it's, it's like, don't make the villain. If the villain's super, super powerful one, you're like, or how are they going to defeat this guy? Right. And, but it does feel like they're just going over the same kind of stuff they did with Thanos with this. Yeah. villain. They might be a little out of ideas. But they all, you got to trust the audience wants to see Paul Rudd. They want to see all these good actors that likable actors and these superheroes. You don't want to spend too much time with the villain. Agreed. Unless the villain because is Because I didn't amazing. like I didn't like the first Thanos one because it was too much Thanos. Yeah. I loved Endgame, but I didn't I didn't like Infinity War. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to hear just. I don't want half the movie to be the villain, right? But anyways, back to sorry, little, Oscars. Little, little tangent. 
Yeah, so those are the things we'll decide next week. I'm going to read up some more. So that makes the best actor and supporting actress picks tougher. Right. But it's looking it's looking really good for everything, everywhere, all at once. And as far as my Oscar viewing, I've now seen every Best Picture can, uh, nomination. Okay. And my, I think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win, barring something crazy to change it. Mm-hmm. But my favorites, Fableman's, Tar, Banshee's. Kind of tied for one. I don't know which one I would pick. I thought all three of those were great. Mm-hmm. And Triangle Sadness, a close number four. Because okay. <laughs> that, was, that was some good insanity. <laughs> but I'm I'm fine with everything everywhere all at once winning because it's pretty good. It's all right. I won't be I won't be offended if it wins. Yeah. But the one I hadn't seen yet was Women Talking. Okay. And I went and saw it. I liked it, but like All Quiet and Western Front, those are the two most Oscar-y movies, I think. Because Women Talking is it's, you know, it's a hard topic. It's about I think I think the religion group is Mennonites. I think I, I got to look it up, but it's about yeah. them. It's so about this r- group real of bunch of fun people. Well, they get, well, the whole plot is they get attacked Ooh. by all the men uh, in their tribe or not tribe. They're oh boy. where they live. Yeah. And they all have a meeting to decide, should we stay well, it doesn't specifically say what religious. Oh, yeah, it is Mennonite. Mennonite women. Um, it's it's a fiction book. It's based on a fiction book, but I guess oh, okay. it's something that actually happened in Bolivia. Yikes! So they have a meeting, and they're going to decide: one, should we stay and forgive them? Because the argument is, you won't get to heaven if you don't forgive these men for attacking you. Right. Raping you. I mean, it's, it's not, not a light subject at all. Or do we fight, stay and fight or do we leave? So that's what the whole discussion is. Mm -hmm. And the performances are really good. Francis McDormand's in it briefly. Rooney Mara, Jesse Buckley, Claire Foy. It's great. Great actors. Yeah. Those are all great. Surprisingly, isn't very long either. I don't even think it it was under two hours. Wow. But it's it's what the title is. It's just them. It's mainly just them talking. Yeah. There you go. You know, it's like a powerful subject and everything. Yeah. But would I watch it again? No. Yeah. And it's the only it got nominated for this in adapted screenplay. So even even with all those good actresses, none of them even got nominated. So I don't think it's going to have any kind of impact on the Oscars, anyways. Right. But I still wanted to see it. 
But yeah, still, I mean, I, I still say this is probably the best group of best picture nominations in a long time. Hmm. Be interesting. Yeah. And I also finished up Best Actress today because I watched To Leslie, hmm. which was the controversial pick. Right. Because nobody went to see it. And then I, I think it was like Jennifer Aniston and Gwyneth Paltrow and a couple other actors did all these screenings because they liked this movie so much and it worked and she got her nomination yeah. and they even investigated it. And I mean, she, she is good. It's basically just uh, about this woman who's an alcoholic. That's basically the plot. Right. Just about her, what's happening to her and her struggles. And she's, I read, I read something today because I'd heard of her, but I don't, if I'd seen her in anything, it was nothing and, where she had a Andrea, big Andrea Rezebro is the actress. Yeah. And she's British and I had no idea because she played, it's set in Texas. Mm. And I read something that said English actresses are always really good at doing Southern accents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and her Southern accent isn't strong in it, which is, which is good because usually I think the best way to do an accent is don't overdo it. So you don't even really notice it that much. Right. It makes, but she, and she does a good job of your rooting for her despite all the mistakes she's made in her life. Oh, okay. So you're, which I you, think is a good, you never mad at her, which is a good, um, I think sometimes that's an example of good acting. Cause she makes you, she lets you in there and root for a possibly unlikable protagonist. Right. And no one's really good in the movie. Mark Maron. <laughs> he was really good in it. He totally just plays like this normal guy. Yeah. And Bubbles from The Wire is in it too. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I have I have no problem with her being nominated for this. She's probably my number three in this category. Mm -hmm. I put Kate Blanchett first because I thought she was great. Yeah. And then probably Michelle Yao, and then then her. She'd be third. Then Michelle mm. Williams. Mm. And then Anna de Armas, who shouldn't have even been nominated because that movie was awful. Can we talk about Michelle Williams for just a, a quick... Sometimes yeah. I feel like Michelle Williams is... And I just maybe... I need to see more Michelle Williams movies. But I feel like she's kind of the same... She's playing different characters, but the, her approach to it, her, I don't want to say it's one note, but it's, it's always Michelle Williams that's coming through. She's got these little mannerisms and tricks that, um, and they're likable and, and everything, but. Um, I think that's her later stuff. Cause what did you see her? Cause you watch Fossey Verdon, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't like that. And. But her it, early, her early stuff, like 
watch. Have you ever seen Blue Valentine? No. Watch that. She's great in that. Or okay. or watch Take This Waltz. I haven't seen that. Those are probably my two favorite performances of hers. Okay. So I just need oh. to. I just need well, to see I think more it's, Michelle it's, Williams. You get set in your ways, and you're you're getting paid a lot of money now. Feels good. So sometimes maybe you're you're just you can't argue with it. Doing I mean, you your, can't argue with her approach, not at all. You're doing your routine now. Kind of. Maybe you're not as hungry, and that's what happens. Because that's how I feel. Because I I liked her. Uh, the Fablemans. She's fine, but is not close to being her best performance. No way. My brother actually texted me almost the same thing today. Yeah. Because he loved he loved the Fablemans too. And he said, he said Kate Blanchett was better than Michelle Williams, which I totally agree with. I don't I think Michelle. Have, I don't think Michelle Williams has a shot, anyways. Right. I still have to see Tar. Tar. It's funny people have been posting about it on Facebook, and I'd say there were two people who didn't like it. Yeah. But I thought it was great. Yeah, and yeah I try to sneak that one in before next week. Yeah, I gotta do it. There's the two Oscar movies that I'm having a hard time finding. Even are Living, which is that yeah. Bill Nye one. That's like nowhere. It's not in the theater. Right. It's not streaming. So I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch it. Right, right. And uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which is the animated ones, which I'm not too worried about. That was everywhere. At the like like last year, like you couldn't go to a movie theater without seeing a a, a preview for that movie. Now I can't yeah, find. No, it. I, I don't. Yeah, me neither. But I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. But I did watch Pinocchio. Did you see Pinocchio? I did. What did you think of it? I gave it the um, I, I gave it the Macbeth, the Francis Dormand, McDormand, <laughs> Denzel Washington. Oh, the right. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, yeah. but. I've seen I've seen three best animated now. I I'm still going Puss in Boots of the three. Yeah. Henry really liked it. He liked Pinocchio a lot. Did he? He thought it, he thought it was great. And the animation's great. Yeah, the stop motion. I think that's was interesting to him too. And it took a thousand days to make that movie. I believe it. A thousand. Yeah. I, I uh, that doesn't surprise me one bit. And then the other Oscar movie I watched yesterday was After Sun, because the actor I'm probably going to say his name wrong, Paul right. Mescal got nominated. Yeah, and I think I mean I think he's he's a pretty good actor. But I think his nomination is more because the director, I think the writer and the director were the same person, did a good job adding weight to it because it's like one of those, remember when independent movies in the 90s were real big? Like yep. with... It totally reminded me of the beginning of a movie. There's this movie called, I think it's Ruby in Paradise. And Ashley Judd oh, yeah. was in it. Yes, yes. The beginning of it, 
feels like the same movie almost, mm-hmm. but it ends up being better than that movie because it just builds up and then it kind of just sticks with you when you're done. But again, I, th- I thought it was more the writing and the directing that made, made it a good movie than his performance. Not that he was bad. Right. Like to Leslie, I think the actress makes the material a little better because she's kind of doing, I don't think the script is, was anything very different. Right. But this movie, I felt like what they were trying to accomplish with, uh, was something deeper. And that's how, that's why he got nominated. That's, um... I think with, I mean, so I, I'm going to try to see the Brendan Fraser one Wednesday. Then I'll decide which one I like the best. Hmm. Yeah, that will be, uh, well, we're running out of time. We got a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, we're going to do it a week from today though. So, right. Right. I probably won't get to see living and I probably won't get to see Marcel the shell, but everything else. So you're complete. I feel like I've done pretty well. Ultimate completist. How many, how many best pictures have you seen? Uh, I still have to see women talking and uh, I still have to see tar. Oh, so you've seen a lot. Yeah. I saw all quiet on the Western front. What did you think of that? I was surprised how much I liked it. I thought that was going to be just like the major downer, like, you know, I just got to sit through this, but I thought the performances were very good. You got to know these characters. Um, It was very well made. And even though it was in German, that didn't, you know, the subtitles and all that did not bother me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was very, um, it, it was, it really just humanized, um, you know, it, it really just did humanize war and, um, or it, 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 it brought the human side of it out as opposed to just this non-ending this this unending horror sto- story, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's I, I, I don't think it's going to win, and I, but I I was surprised by how much I liked it. Yeah, I thought the performances were very movie. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have the main guy, Paul, he was nomination worthy. I thought so, and even the. The guy he's with at the end, too. He was really good, too. He was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, so I, I really did. I really did like that. And um, the other, um, the other movie that I, or the other movies that I want to talk about, I've been watching the best documentaries. Yeah. I want to hear about that because I don't know anything about them. Um, I've seen four of the five. And the fifth one is playing in Downers Grove. I don't know if I'm going to make it out to Downers yeah, Grove. That's by me. Yeah. Uh, it's, that, that one is called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And uh, that is about um, this photographer who worked to um, bring the family, the Sackler family, whose pharmaceutical company was one of the major 
contributors to the opioid crisis and just to her efforts to bring them to justice. Um, That actually sounds good. Yeah, it does. And uh, I really want to see it, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Maybe we'll have another Jag Bags night (laughs) to go see all the beauty and the bloodshed. (laughs) Oh, man. That'll be the most exciting Jag Bags night yet. Um, Now, the ones that I did see, the first one um, was called uh, Fire of Love. And this reminded me of a Wes Anderson movie. Um, Steve Zissou, because it was the story of two, a married couple who were, but instead of um, oceanographers, they were vol- volcano experts or volcanologists. So they're both insane. They both like to go <laughs> to the edge of <laughs> hand and while wearing the Steve Zissou caps and the nice. special Steve Zissou they they um first gained uh fame they're i think they're swiss or swedish um and they became famous in like the late 60s and were very popular all the way up into uh 91 when they died in japan while trying to get close to a volcano and it was uh-huh. and uh, killed them they uh, nothing was found in them except a couple of their and they think that they were holding hands um so, so it's a, it's a good story. And, and uh, so it's like a love story. And then some of these shots of these volcanoes, you just you can't believe that it's like going to another planet. It's right here. And the Mount St. Helens stuff was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So fire of love. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is called Navalny. And so fire of love is a national geographic documentary. I think you can see it on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, Navalny, you can see on HBO, that's a CNN documentary. And Navalny is the story of Alexei Navalny, who was the um, who ran against Vladimir Putin for president of Russia and was poisoned, you know, uh, allegedly poisoned and um, almost died, um, escaped to Germany and then decided to go back to Russia to confront him where he was promptly arrested and is now in jail. Mm. Um, and so it's all that. And that is interesting. I thought it was a little slick and a little manipulative because you never found out his actual position on uh, world events, except uh, what was going on in Russia, other than Putin, Putin is bad and um, he wants to put me in jail. Mm. And, they don't even they don't even press him on the questions, and the one time they do, it's like, well, you know, didn't you go to that white supremacist rally? And he's like, hey, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows, and you know, it's either you know, do you want Putin out of power? Sometimes you gotta you know get him. And I'm like, well, you're, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Um, but uh, some parts of it were good. I thought. Th- Great footage of Russia, inside Russia and Siberia. I enjoyed that. Um, but I, I wouldn't vote for it. Third one is called House of Splinters. Very good. That is about um, a orphanage in eastern Ukraine um, that is uh, where these uh, mothers, these women, are just desperately trying to run an orphanage for these 
kids who have lost their parents in the Ukraine war and just how they just tirelessly make this orphanage like a, the opposite of grim and terrible, but a kind of a sanctuary for these poor kids who have lost everything. Um, very good. House of Splinters. That's on HBO. I think it's on HBO. Uh, if you just type in House of Splinters, it'll come up. And then the last one is called All That Breathes. This was interesting. It was kind of a slumdog millionaire type setting. It's in Delhi, India. And it's about these three brothers who try to save uh, an indigenous bird to India called the kite bird. And because of the pollution and the terrible conditions, not to mention the civil war that's going on. It's a, it's a religious in, um, it's not a war, but it's, there's riots, there's problems. Um, they, they, these birds uh, are either injured or they fall from the sky because they're sick because of all the pollution. And they nurse them, these birds called kite birds, and they look like eagles or hawks. And they nurse them back to health and, and release them. And it was very interesting just in that I didn't know what was going on in India. Um, and just there, and the three brothers' personalities really come out well. And one's a curmudgeon, one's practical, and the other's like an optimist, always has a smile on his face. So they did a good, good job with that. I think out of all those, I'd go with the Steve Zissou fire of love type just because. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, that was that. Um, I thought the the narrator was Miranda July. And yeah. I thought she was a little, little, little too precious sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's the writing. But uh, yeah. that would be my pick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read up. And, I'm going to read up and see who they think is going to win. Yeah, I'm curious. I'd be very curious. Investigators are gonna. We'll have to add that because we'll do all the major categories, and we'll we'll put documentary in there too. Since yeah. you've seen almost all of them, I uh, all four of them were. Navalny was the other three really good. Yeah. Well, Navalny was that the Russian one? Navalny was the one about the Russian. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Anything else or should we move on to Rolling Stone Top 500? Rolling Stone time. Let's do this. The world awaits. The world demands it. And I'm going to give it to you. We are now up to album number 195. Sorry, 194. Excuse me. Um, no, I'm, I, I apologize. I have this whole thing. No, you're um, up higher. Yeah, I'm up higher. I'm at 189. Excuse me. 189. Slater Kinney, Dig Me Out. Like the Beatles and Thin Lizzy and Talking Heads, Slater Kinney have no bad albums. Wow. That, yeah, if, you are, if you know nothing about Slater Kinney and you love just, just rocking, just having your... Literally, your face melted. Slater Kinney is one of the world's best rock bands. And if you haven't seen them live, see them. They are awesome live. I mean, they're just, they're the energy that you can't believe. It's just three of them up there. And um, not the one that was in the Fred Armisen. Um, I mean, she's awesome. Uh, Carrie Brownstein. Carrie Brownstein. But the other, Corin Tucker. Corin Tucker is my favorite because she looks like she just stepped out of a uh, corporate meeting 
you know, and she wears like pantsuits and heels. And she gets this guitar on and just that's awesome. Awesome. But Dig Me Out is tremendous. But you can't go wrong with any Slater Kinney. I think this is their I think this is their uh, second album. No, it's third. Oh, okay. Wait, it was called The Doctor, then I thought it was Dig Me Out. It says on the Rolling Stone thing that it was their third album. Oh, does it? Well, I'll have to have a word with the lead singer of uh, Old Crow Medicine Show about his facts. <laughs> I don't think he wrote that. I think one of the Rolling Stone writers wrote that. Well, ha- we'll have a talk with Rob Sheffield, whoever's doing this. Yeah. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Man, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, awesome album. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, 188, T-Rex, Electric Warrior. I mean, you know... When you talk about, I just think it's so fun to think about this record uh, coming out at the same time as Ziggy Stardust and just, and also like Slade in there and uh, just how awesome that must've been. You know, what a, what a time that was. Uh, I love this album and um, you know, it, it it's, it's best known for, uh, bang a gong, get it on. But all of it is, I mean, it inspired a movement. And uh, T-Rex at the time was just as big as Bowie, you know, which makes Bowie's output all the more impressive because T-Rex really, this album and um, the slider, are, in my mind, T-Rex is only two, there's their only good albums. But Electric Warrior is awesome. Do you like Electric Warrior? Yeah, I like T Rex a lot. I was listening to him a, a few months ago. Oh, really? Jeepster, awesome song. Yeah, awesome. He's got song. a lot of good stuff. And Slater Kinney, their first album was called Slater Kinney. Their second album was called The Doctor. And then, oh, they, yeah. Well, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that's that's probably right. So, um, all those albums are are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Slater Kinney albums are amazing. Uh, the next album, one eighty seven, Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. Um, you know, this record is is it's sadly timeless because it's um i mean he's talking about the things he's talking about are still being talked about today so and it's uh it, it, it talks about education police brutality um you know the the life life in uh the projects and and this album was put out almost 30 years ago, 33 years ago. And it just feels like nothing as much changed, mm-hmm. which is just depressing. Um, but it's, it's interesting too, because ice cube hooked up with public enemy. So it's like the public enemy sound, but with ice cube rapping. So that's mm-hmm. different. And um, it's great. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. And um, you know, he really, it's a man's world is my favorite. Um, and uh, there, but the, every pretty much every 
song on here is tremendous. And I mean, Ice Cube's uh, first few albums after leaving NWA are just incredible, incredible. And then it just makes his fall from grace even more baffling because it's like he ran out of things to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got tired of it because nothing was changing. I don't know. Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on to a next uh, album that is most decidedly not. <laughs> knew this was coming. <laughs> oh, my. Actually, you know what? This is their best album. Which is kind of like saying that, um, you know, arsenic is my favorite poison. Um, wow. I know. I don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We're getting faxes from Flea as we speak. Yeah. How I dare like, you believe? Yeah, like what? Nikitas, both of our books continue to sell. Like, why do you hang Jealousy out with that? Jealousy noted, Michael. Why do you hang out with that jag-off Anthony Kiedis Flea? <laughs> um. Actually, How dare you deny the power of Mellowship Slinky in B major? How dare you? <laughs> I actually, this album was everywhere, and I'm like, everywhere my uh, senior year of college. Just couldn't escape it. And I uh, was running around on vacation in Baltimore with a blood sugar sex magic hat on. Really? Were you? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, uh, they were, I mean, this album is. I think this sold millions and millions upon millions of copies mm-hmm. and uh, which they, but I don't think it's their best biggest seller. Um, mm, I don't know. I feel like all their albums sell a lot now. Wasn't Californication. That, uh, what's the record? That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? If anyone out there is a big red hot chili peppers fan, let us know. And then you want to be on the podcast. We can do a little debating because I like oh, yeah. them. I don't love them. I like them. I like them. I like this album. I this is their best album, no doubt. But you don't like them, so it'd be nice to have a big Red Hat Chili Peppers fan on the podcast. The world joins me in condemning. <laughs> There's no such animal. Uh, someone who actually likes the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Yes, they just happen to sell millions and millions of albums, but nobody likes them. All right, the last one, 185. This is way too low. Beggar's Banquet by the Rolling Stones. I, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Way too low. What? This album is outstanding. Really it's great. Their, I think it's their best one. You might be right. You might be right. Um. It's either this or Sticky Fingers. Oaken agrees with me that Sticky Fingers, if I'm not mistaken. But this is pretty awesome. And it certainly should be easily top 100. Easily. So 185, that's way too low. But at least, thank God, they ranked it ahead of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. <laughs> I'm looking up. That's all I have to say. I'm looking up their sales. Red Hot Chili Peppers, and this is their, but Blood Sugar Sex Magic is their best-selling one. There's no way that Blood Sugar Sex Magic is a better album than Slater oh. Kinney's Dig Me Out. There's just, there's, that's, that's clinically and just scientifically <laughs> impossible. And I'm preparing my peer-reviewed journal on this very topic. <laughs> 
here comes Rick Rubin is faxing us also right now. Rick agrees with me. Rick's like, yeah, Slater Kidney is better than uh, than uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Steve is right, even though he's a jag. <laughs> All right, should we get to your uh, personal top 500 albums of all time? Len goes through them for you. The Jag Bag. Here we go. Our, our good friend, Brad Underwood, is getting two CDs this week. Oh. We're starting off with number 380, and it's ABBA's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. Brad Underwood is getting this. Brad Underwood is listening to right now. This compilation came out in 1979. Breaking up is never easy, I know, but I have to go. This time I know. Knowing me, knowing you, it's the best I can do. (laughs) This time we're through. We're really through. So (laughs) that's my favorite lyric from that song. This time we're through. We're really through. Really through. (laughs) We talked about ABBA on our very popular podcast with Amy Seeley. So if you haven't listened to that one yet. That's a good one. A very good one. Go to our Jag Bags Simple Cast page and you can find that one. That was a couple months ago, I think. I picked this one, this compilation because this was what I had when I was a kid. I remember I got it for Christmas and I played it a lot. And my favorites on it, Take a Chance on Me, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Angel Eyes, Dancing Queen, and Does Your Mother Know? Because <laughs> I'm like, I have to have at least one ABBA album on my top 500. Yep. It doesn't have my two favorite ABBA songs on it, but this is the one I've listened to. Because I had, like I said, I, I got it when I was like 12 or 13 and played it a lot. It doesn't have Fernando or um, Waterloo on it, but still a good collection. Came out in 79, hit number 46 on the U.S. charts, which is pretty good for a greatest hits album. It is. So that's 380. Okay. 379 is... Use your illusion one. Uh-huh. This actually is the exception to the open theory because this actually does say one on it. So it's not like Rocky one. Right. This actually says one on the album. <laughs> they knew there would be two. Well, they did because they came out the same yep, day. And that's right. Use your illusion one and two. This came out in 1991. Unlike Led Zeppelin, who just had Led Zeppelin. Right. And then Led Zeppelin 2. Yes, because it doesn't say Led Zeppelin 1 on the album. It does not. It just says Led Zeppelin. It does say Use Your Illusion 1 on the album. So goodbye to you, girl. So long, farewell. I can hear you crying. Your jivin's been hell. (laughs) And that's You Ain't the First. I also enjoy Dustin Bones. Don't Cry, November Rain. And it was really interesting reading about this album. Yeah. First of all, you're a huge band. You just had Appetite for Destruction, which was crazy popular. Yeah. So what do you guys do? Let's come out with two albums. Right. 
both with tongue. I forgot how many songs are on this. There's 16 songs on this. Yeah. I think I had both of these on cassette. Right. And it's just like a explosion of music. You almost feel like they could have stretched it out a little bit. Yeah. Just, just do one, save some of the songs and release another one a year later. Right. I think that's part of the reason why they end up with that insane Chinese democracy thing. Cause they had so many ideas that they just let them all out at once. Right. Instead of spreading them out. And then they could have maybe come up with a follow-up sooner. Right. And I didn't realize. So Izzy Stradlin is the one who sings. You ain't the first. Oh, right, right. I, I think also I sings Dustin Bones, which is my second favorite, I think, on the album. Yeah. So apparently I'm a big Izzy Stradlin vocalist fan. <laughs> and he also sings 14 Years, which is Unusual Illusion 2. I, I like that song a lot. Yeah. He's like and the I secret weapon that, of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. and then they But they ousted him. Yeah. And then... It's getting too mouthy. Don't cry. Shannon Hoon is singing... Did you know that he sings with Axl Rose in that? Uh, no, I don't think I did know that. It's him and Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon. It's <laughs> all over this album. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's it's just... And they... Like I said, it's just a crazy idea. Let's release two albums at the same time. Put tons of songs on them. Let's put a couple of really long songs on there. Coma's on this one. Coma is over 10 minutes long. And then November Rain, which they release as a single, longest song in a top 10 ever, ever, until Taylor Swift a couple years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they, they, were, they were gigantic. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we brought up our good friend Robert Criscow in a while. But we have not. He was like the only one who didn't like it. It got really good reviews. He hated it. Use your illusion. <laughs> yeah. One. Use your illusion. Yeah. One. Yeah. And this is this is also the first album. They they got a new drummer. We talked about the cult. I think last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. So they got the old drummer from the cult, Matt Sorum, on this one. Mm. But I think having a new drummer even affected things because I forgot which guy said this, but he said it was affecting the rhythm because he preferred the previous drummer who they fired because he was on heroin all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was just fascinating. You're on heroin all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Out. Yeah. Some of the, you're the, all the time you're on heroin. Yeah. Can't stand and the band. It, it, I, th I don't know if it came out late in 91 because it was the number 17 album sales-wise for 92. Mm, right. And number 71 sales-wise for the 90s, for all yeah. the 90s. Yeah. There, I mean. Huge. Yeah, I just, I feel like they could have had a lot more stuff if they just took a breath. Not that yeah. I don't, I, I like this album and I like Use Your Illusion 2 also. Yeah. They, they were wonder. 
it was like they were a like this comet <laughs> like here you go all you ever, now we're you done ever, uh, listen to Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds I think that's the no but I, I think I should now I didn't realize yeah it's, uh, that I really like that record the Juju Hounds Izzy it's by Izzy Stradlin the name of the album is Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds like Juju okay. Smith Schuster is there songs about him on it? Hounds about Juju Smith Schuster. Like run that route precisely. Run that route. Um, hey, Bradbury's holding. <laughs> how's <laughs> how's your touchdown dance? Right, right. Enjoy the Super Bowl championship. Yeah, yeah super I'll, chief. I'll give, it a, I'll give it a listen. You're a super oh, chief. A, super chief. You're super chief. Hey. Put on uh, my Chiefs jersey and listen to it. You know, we really uh, when it comes to Juju Smith Schuster album humor no one tops jag bags i mean jag bags Not is just it's a it's a gold mine comedy gold mine yeah wow i'm gonna listen to that one because i bet y'all like it oh i think I you will too yeah but yeah i enjoyed my deep dive on this yep and another journey one this week beef oh more journey evolution oh please <laughs> Good record. I always think, for some reason, in my memory, I think every Journey album except for Infinity is from the '80s, but that's not true. This no. came out 1979. Right. Yesterday was a good day. It's after midnight, and I've got you on my mind. Come with me, never go away. Never go. Every day we will fly. Yeah. Come on. What a jam. Total jam. Just the same way. Too late. Jam. jam. City of Angels. Jam. When you're alone, it ain't easy. Come on. The giant hit Love and Touch and Squeezing. Outstanding was, jam. So this was, was the follow-up to Infinity. Yeah. And I except for Love and Touch and Squeezing, all his other songs, those should all have been played a lot, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Right. I just know them from, from playing this album all the time. It's a really, it's really deep, is what I'm saying. I'm really enjoying the journey. Yeah, this was their fifth album. Just like Go, uh, just like Guns N' Roses, they have a new drummer on this one, Steve Smith. Yep. This is the, this is the classic lineup. Yeah, this is where they really. This one hit number twenty, sold three million copies. Love and Touch and Squeezin' was almost like their breakthrough hit because it was number 16 on top 40. And uh, triple platinum. And, yeah, just really good. More journey. Agreed. And I, like I said, I enjoy them more now because they're not always around me. <laughs> I can choose <laughs> to listen to journey. <laughs> yes. So you can my- control your journey. My, exactly. <laughs> I, maybe they can come out with a song, Juju by Journey, or the ultimate combination. Yeah. Could, maybe they can from their walkers. And their... <laughs> They're still making albums. Yeah. They had an album out last year with their sound alike guy. Their sound alike, yeah. Yeah. My number 377, which. Brad Underwood also will be enjoying. Okay. This is 
the Against All Odds soundtrack. Ooh. From 1984. Yes. I can't deny we've had some good times. We were like a bike built for two. But I can't lie to you. The rumor's coming true, oh. Another girl's arousing my curiosity. Do you remember that song? (laughs) (laughs) I was all about the Rachel Ward uh, back in the day. Oh, my gosh. All about the Rachel Ward. Yeah. And I listened to side one of this a billion times because that's where all the songs are. Side two is all the instrumental, like the the score for the movie and everything. Right. Side one, you get My Male Curiosity, Kid Creole and the Coconuts, Violet and Blue, Steve Nicks, uh, Title Cut, Phil Collins, one of his best, Balcony by Big Country. Come on. Making a Big Mistake, Mike Rutherford. Yeah, probably his only song that's ever... Mike by Mike Rutherford, not Mike and the Mechanics, not Genesis, and Walk Through the Fire, Peter Gabriel, all good songs. Yeah, all good. I gotta, I gotta get a copy of this somewhere because even on Spotify, you can only get Against All Odds, Violet and Blue, and Balcony. That's it. The other songs, they're they're not there. Even though they say they're there, but when you try to put them on a playlist, they don't go on there. So there must be some rights issue, maybe because it's a movie soundtrack. I don't know. But I need to find I need to find it somewhere. Like maybe I'll get lucky like I did with the Peter Wolf album. <laughs> but yeah, that's my 377. And to finish it up. Love Gun. Kiss. Yes. 1977. Come on. I'll be a gambler, baby. Um, lay down the bet. We get, to- <laughs> <laughs> we get together, mama. You'll sweat. No place for hiding, baby. No place to run. You pull the trigger of my love. Come on. You know what that is? That's poetry. And uh, <laughs> and he even kind of stole that from some old blues song, some of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, I stole your love, Christine. Sixteen, shock me. Then she kissed me, and you know what's a great Paul Stanley has a very underrated voice. He's got a great voice. I agree. And this was their sixth album. It was platinum. This is what surprised me. As popular as Kiss was in the 70s, this was their first top five album. Yeah. Like Destroyer didn't make, I was like, I thought like Destroyer That's surprising. was crazy popular, but I guess not. Yeah. And uh, Christine 16 hit the top 40, number 25. It's too short too. It's like, like a half hour. You'll see right. Right. I want to put this back on immediately. Or maybe Kiss can also come up with a Juju Schuster song. I think Kiss and Journey are now fighting over who gets to make the Juju <laughs> Smith Schuster concept. They can. There's plenty to talk about with Juju. So, now the, uh, the the 16 minute opus back in Pittsburgh goes. <laughs> yeah. there you go. uh, good. 
Good yeah. list. That's fun. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Please uh, subscribe to us. We are available on nearly every uh, platform where fine podcasts are found. Please uh, subscribe to us also on the social medias. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. There's a topic you want to hear from us. Suggest it. We might talk about it. I mean, we have so many ideas, but maybe yours are better. (laughs) But maybe. Anyway, let us know. If we pick that topic, we will send you a Jag Bags t-shirt instant celebrity status. You can go to the Oscars on the red carpet because you know that a lot of them are going to be wearing their Jag Bags t-shirts on the Oscar red carpet in a couple weeks. So Meryl Streep, for sure. Oh, God, please. It's embarrassing. She embarrasses <laughs> herself. and Stop high-fiving us. Uh, so that's all. We want to thank you for listening. When you're ready to listen, put a little Jag Bags in your ear.